Welcome to the Any Given Thursday podcast. Your host Max and David with you. Um, a lot of mistakes today. A lot of mistakes today. A lot of mistakes leading to crucial goals today. Yeah, I was going to say not least of which was that introduction. No, but... sounded. It, it, I'm, I'm just going with it. Yeah. I don't really make mistakes. So yeah, should we start with the game that had the most mistakes? Yeah, it's fun to talk. The most fun to talk about. Yeah, I think this will probably be where we spend most of our time today. Maybe I have a good blur. I have a good like page long blurb about it, so I'm excited. Yeah. Even a page and a half, really. So, what a disaster for United. <laughs> so if you haven't looked at the scores yet, if you weren't able to watch any of the games. We're talking about Sevilla and Manchester United, which got off to quite the... Yeah, I'd say United got sevilla in the Europa League if United didn't United themselves more than sevilla sevilla them. Yeah, so the first <laughs> game, sevilla sevilla United. In the second game, United, yeah. United, United. <laughs> At Sevilla. Which Sevilla, sevilla <laughs> benefited from the semifinal. And it all started early, didn't it? In the eighth minute. Eighth minute. Harry Maguire. Remember, Maguire and Lindelof. The center back pairing in for uh in for the injured Veron and Lissandro Martinez, the latter of whom is out for the rest of the season, unfortunately. And we should um, point out uh Luke Shaw also unavailable as well, or at least not fully fit, so he had to start on the bench uh-huh. as well. And he had played a little center back for them before. He'd been the left back in a lot okay. of situations. So just missing a lot of players across that back line. And uh, we had a recent mistake last week. Um they conceded to Sevilla because of a mistake from Malasia. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallo comes in for him in this game. So we have Malasia out for Dallo and Juan Basaka in for Shaw or vice versa, however, configuration. Um, sometimes Dallo plays on the right. But sometimes he plays. He was on the left today. Yeah, he was on the left and Juan Basaka was on the right. So um, a little bit of a strange mishmash of uh defenders from a past life for united today um and eight minutes in harry Maguire plays a back pass to de gea he relocates to the middle of the pitch to receive well Juan Bissaka jogs uh wide to receive not fast enough no but what masan turns out to be the least to blame here because de gea tries to thread it back to Maguire, um but only manages to surround him by three pressing sevilla players <laughs> Maguire tries to hit Juan Bissaka wide with his first touch. It's easily blocked. And Naziri picks it up. He puts it home. It's 1-0 Sevilla. And we should say it's definitely on Harry to some degree here. Yes. Because he seems to be kind of unaware of how quickly people are closing in around him, especially Lamella, who is the the, the successful presser mm-hmm. um, from his left. Um, if he's more aware, he can realize that he can turn like 80 degrees into acres of space or just let the ball roll through. Yeah. Um, but... It's more more on De Gea here, frankly, who puts him in that position. He doesn't realize, I don't think, that the pass to him will trigger Lamella's pressing from the left side. We should say this whole time, it's a three-man press from Sevilla. It was Lamella and Nasiri, and it was Rakitic, right? Pressing mm. up there. In this in this instance, sometimes it was um, him, sometimes it was Ocampos. I it was either remember. him or Ocampos. I don't know. I can't remember who had it on this no, one. It was. They were just on Maguire's back. Uh-huh. But... Yeah, Harry gets the pass from De Gea, tries to turn, not doesn't try to turn, like we said, instead tries mm-hmm. to play it out wide to Juan Basaka, and it's right into where Lamella had come into that passing yeah. lane. It's and we've a- seen uh, we've seen instances from De Gea before where his, and we will later in this game, where his ball handling at his feet is really disastrous. The problem here was more like a complete lack of awareness of system. Yeah. Um, and what Sevilla were looking to do here. Um 
yeah, he just doesn't seem to understand the buildup from the back in any we, – we saw a sim- very similar goal, actually. This all very similar this game to the Brentford game at the in at the near the start of the Premier League season where they eviscerated United in the first half scoring four goals, mm-hmm. one of which was an instance of De Gea playing a, a vertical pass square up the middle of the box to Erickson who had really no chance to receive it, yeah. um and it's tucked away. I think it was on Boma. It doesn't really matter, but this was a very similar situation and, and pretty clear. There's not a lot of growth from him and his understanding under Ten Hag. Um, and that's not even to discuss his the qualities of him with the ball at his feet, technically. Um, so, yeah, terrible from both the keeper and his captain, yeah. but especially from, from Tejea. Yeah. Um, we should say it's a really good press from Sevilla as well. They do a great Lamella does job. a really nice curved run. It's a textbook run yeah. so that it cuts starts... off Maguire's angle of the pass. Mm-hmm. And it starts with them just stringing the press on, you know, like, United playing around the back. So, Endazir, he goes straight to De Gea mm-hmm. when De Gea gets the ball. Force him to make a quick decision, which, if you're David De Gea, who is not one of our listeners, I assume. Decisions are bad for him. Not good for him. <laughs> but he needs to just boot that ball. He but does. he never does. Or at least play Juan Bissaka wide. Yeah. But that would have ended up in a turnover probably, too. Yeah. Uh, um, he, needs to, he needs to lump it, for sure. As soon as De Gea starts making that pass to uh, Maguire, you can mm-hmm. see... Lamella's leaving Wambasaka. Yeah. He totally drops off of him. He's coming it's back. It's clear that the it's clear that Maguire or that uh De Gea playing that first ball is like the trigger for their press. Yeah. Um it was very clearly practiced for almost Which is definitely which is exactly the strategy we saw Brentford take up in that game. Yeah. Where the that first pass triggers like a really intense man press and then they sort of drop into like a tighter mid or mid block. Um, if they break that press, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was a bad moment, uh, and a clear plan from Sevilla that's well executed. So good yeah. for them. And I think this goal kind of set the tone for the game. It sure did, especially with the press. We would see it later as well, but just the whole game, it's they had this press on the center backs, and as soon as that was broken, everything shifted way back, and they were kind of like we talked about in the pregame. They were going to let United have that like interior part of the midfield. They were going to let Casemiro, Eriksen, Sabitzer play in the midfield and win the midfield battle because they weren't going to concede goals from there. Right? The way they were going to get beat was guys like Sancho or Martial getting over the top of them, which would happen if they were pressing that midfield. But pressing the center backs, they weren't finding that pass. There was no way Maguire... Or yeah, the only thing Maguire is Maguire is good at a couple of things there. You like he's pretty good at ball carrying, yeah, and sometimes playing a long pass. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's obviously some risk there, but I think they they definitely bet on. Well, a first of all, they they don't have to bet on De Gea struggling from that position. Yeah. We know yeah. we know this, um, but you betting on Maguire's struggles, you know, and his confidence, um, and it paid off big time, um. Yeah, and then you could see Ten Hag, uh, Ten Hag's face on the sideline as he turning sour, yeah. as he uh, probably considers which keepers he's going to look for on the market this summer. <laughs> um, the rest of the half, or the next like thirty minutes or so, I feel like a little more even. United Southern a little bit, kind of like a couple of half chances, but nothing like clear cut. That is until the fortieth minute when Casemiro puts an uncharacteristically misplaced pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, um to Sevilla in the midfield um it ends up in uh an Ocampos goal after a nice move but Acuna's offside in the 
buildup. So they're off the hook there, but um, it's just weird. I feel like as good as Casemiro's been for United, he has a couple. He's had a couple of moments where he has those weird errant passes, and yeah. it looks like the rest of the team is rubbing off on him. Um, I don't really know what he sees there, but anyway, he gets away with one. Um, but at halftime, you you have to think Ten Hag is maybe telling his players like we're fine. Yeah, like you made a mistake. Um, They're but we haven't much. been we haven't been getting dominated otherwise. Not like no. we're like under the goals being peppered yeah. or anything. I would like very even first half overall. I would if you say, take away those two if mistakes, you take away those two huge glaring mistakes, which is I mean obviously they happen, so you can't take them away. Yeah, but without those very even half, you know, very much in the game. Say, we're down one nothing. We can score. They have the uh, opportunity to bring out only partially fit Rashford off the bench and a partially which they fit do. Shaw. Yeah, which they do. So it's not the end of the world. However, uh, maybe the United players were on their phones or something during that speech because United immediately concede from a goal, from a corner, <laughs> um, which at first looks like a brilliant looping header um, by Bade um, over De Gea's head, hits the underside of the bar, goes over the line. Um, it actually comes off his shoulder. Um, and it was weird. I don't know how much to blame De Gea here because he clearly doesn't react as soon as contact is made. And if he does, he can probably tip it over the bar. Mm-hmm. It looks like he thinks it's going over or something. Maybe he's thrown off by the contact being weird and like not on the head. Yeah. But anyway, he doesn't react very quickly. And it ends up being great placement, accidental or not, from Bade. Um, I still feel like De Gea should do better there. Um, but that was really the least of their problems today. It was that goal. <laughs> yeah. was that goal. Um, Casemiro also gets beaten to the spot by Bade. Um, which is usually so so tough uh, with his head in the box. I don't know if that was like, you know, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what the marking scheme is and if that was completely his fault. But either way, it's 2-0. Yeah, um, and Body the goal scorer, has had a weird year because he's was loaned from Wren to Nottingham Forest with a potential uh, option to buy, I believe. Who hasn't been loaned to Nottingham Forest this year? Yeah, and Everyone's played, played for Nottingham Forest this year. He didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> So he was just there on loan, a total failure of a transfer. He moves to Sevilla. He's getting some game time. And it's like, okay, yeah, but Sevilla are really struggling this year. Maybe he's just like able to get in Sevilla, but couldn't get in Forest. But the same guys that he was deemed not good enough to play against <laughs> for Nottingham Forest, he was shutting down today. I mean, like he had, he did a great job. Yeah, Nottingham Forest just got their ass kicked by this exact lineup on Sunday. Yeah, and Bobby out <laughs> here just putting on a clinic against them. It's uh, very... Very weird. You have to wonder if there was some behind-the-scenes stuff when he was at Forest. Who knows, dude? Steve, I think he was a Steve Cooper scouted player. and then Who fucking knows what's going on with but, Forest, man, and all their players? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's a little weird year for him. Sevilla almost put the tie to bed just right after that, and Nezri, and Naziri has a header that's blocked in front of the goal and then lands at the foot of Ocampos, literally at point-blank range. De Gea gets in the way of that, does well there. And from there, there's, like, absolute chaos. The ball ricocheting back and forth. One point, a United defender clears it off. Another United defender into a third United defender. And then falls to a Sevilla player who almost taps at home. But it's blocked by a United defender. Um, It's, like, inches from crossing the line for a steaming eternity. Excellent highlight. Eventually cleared. Um, Rashford comes on, finally. Tries to rescue them. Um, But United really struggled for clear-cut chances in the second half. They looked a bit helter-skelter. Um in the final third, and then finally comes the moment of the match, the moment of the day, as uh, United push for push for anything, any lifeline. Yeah. Sevilla kind of boots the ball clear, 
of the United half um, into the into their from their defensive half into the United defensive half. De Gea hustles out of his box, um, gung ho, ready to contribute. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. He sticks out his leg. I don't know if he's trying to trap it or what. But he, all he manages to do is sort of softly touch it into Naziri's path, <laughs> who who has to hold all, just has to finish into an empty net from thirty yards out. Yeah. Um, you know, he was just trying to like pushing the ball, you know, that really cool thing where players uh, like pushing the ball with them. I think he's trying to block it under his boot. I think he's yeah. trying to use the bottom of the boot to trap it on the bounce. Just but so I, d- I don't like it could have gone equally bad if he tried to hit it first time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um not really sure what he's trying to do there, but really it's and if you watch En Naziri in the in slow motion on the highlights, he's not even bearing down on him. Like he is casually jogging. Yeah. Because like, he has a little pressure. Yeah, he thinks he there's no off. chance. He's like, yeah. there's no chance this falls to me. And and there's no that I can affect this on the press here. Um, but you know, he's uh he can't believe his luck. In in the moments of in this a season of really disastrous mistakes from David here, this is really kind of his crowning achievement, I think. This, I think this is up there. This is maybe the one of the worst like goalkeeping mistakes I've ever seen, yeah. <laughs> or the funniest. Yeah. Um, there've been worse ones. Yeah, there've been more. This is funny. This, is, this funny. is really funny. And he's to be up. fair to the guy, he's had moments of like real brilliance and shot stopping this year, which is well, he's one of the best you'll find. Um, at reflex saves. Yeah. You know, but too often we've seen him have such horrible trouble with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, just terrible decision making. In addition to the technical issues or limitations, I should say. He may as well have sealed losing his job this summer, though, whether that be him leaving the club or just simply being pushed down the pecking order when somebody else arrives. But I don't I don't see how he can continue on, as, especially with a manager mm-hmm. as uh, progressive and in need, of, in need of technical ability back there as Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. And you, you feel for the guy. You do. He's <laughs> he, had a great career. Yeah. And he's very much deserved to go out how he wants to go out at United, but... Mm-hmm. I, he's overstayed been there 10 years yeah, it's you know been, this is too long of these type of mistakes consistently from yeah. him in he a can't system he can't like, survive well he needs to go back to spain and like go to retire at a mid-table club or something i don't even know <laughs> if he needs to go back to spain i think he can still do it because mm-hmm. there's enough teams that don't ask goalkeepers to play with their feet. i don't know not but, fewer and fewer every year Yeah, fewer and fewer in spain too yeah it's just he's so limited in something that's becoming so crucial for goalkeepers yeah and we see it with guys like Donnarumma, who are even better stop shot, shot stoppers right now than De Gea are. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly making mistakes and being criticized for their inability to play with their feet. And it's holding back some of these yeah. guys who could be world-class goalkeepers. And De Gea feels like he's in that group yeah. of players where it's like... I want to make sure we give credit to Sevilla and their Europa League dark arts. Oh, um, yeah, well, for their performance today, they had the energy... Um, but my God, did United blow this tie at every possible attempt? Oh my God! Um, and it's one heartbreak for another after them since uh, Jose's triumph in this in this competition. Uh, they keep going out to perceived worse teams yeah. <laughs> over and over. Uh, usually Spanish teams. Yeah, um, I saw they hate the Spanish teams, although they've beaten multiple this competition. Yeah, this is what the fourth time they've been to Spain. They beat Betis and Sociedad. Well, they didn't um, beat Sociedad, didn't they? They, they beat lost them. and drew, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So they haven't been that good then. No, um, but, um, but uh, yeah. So, so I mean, I don't see how Maguire stays either. Like, I guess I mean it's gonna be hard to get rid of him, but 
and and Ten Hag has undoubtedly done a fabulous job mm-hmm. with this club, but this it's so evident in moments like this, which there's been a number of this year, like how much work there is left to do. Like they've had so many embarrassments and like capitulations in the last three years that I guess it shouldn't still surprise us that they have that in them still, you know, like for every, in this calendar year anyway, for every like win over city or triumph in the league cup, there's been like a, the seven goals yeah. shipped to Liverpool or ties like this, where you where it's just so obvious that there's something still like rotten at the core yeah. of some of these players, like uh, some of the men, it's all the mental too. Yeah. And, and I don't see how like, you can get pat get by and build film here if you don't get rid of some of that rot and unfortunately for the for the players like De Gea and Maguire are a part of that or a huge part of that issue yeah. I think yeah it's the guys who've been there for like the longest seem to be the issue but also the new rivals I mean Anthony has had moments where he's been really good but today uh-huh. he was awful uh I thought but he's not why they lost but it's not the whole like it's not the reason they lost but yeah but like the whole front three is pretty bad. Jaden Sancho. Has, well, yeah, it's not a first uh, choice front three, is it? No, that's a good point. Uh, but it's not a first choice back four either. No. But yeah, it's the guys who've been there the longest who seem to be making the most mistakes and just not being the leaders that you mm-hmm. would want at a team like United who have so much history and yeah. pedigree and are performing well relatively. Like it's not been a bad season for United, but this was a no. Bad they're going to finish top four probably. They get they won a trophy, albeit the worst trophy, but a trophy yeah. for the first time in a while. Like they've clearly they've they're clearly on the way to building something here. If they're smart about recruitment in the next couple of windows, in the next three or four windows, you could see them having a really strong contending te- team contending for trophies on multiple yeah. fronts. Um you also- but they have to shed some of the dead weight here and like and be smart and because they're not really that deep of a roster right now like they have a lot of this like fat that they need to trim you know what i mean like as you saw like sancho was this hugely expensive you know jewel of a signing and he sucked (laughs) yeah he's been bad anthony's anthony's been mixed and you're like all right he's 21 you know like anthony's not 21 he's 22 then 23 Oh, he is now? Yeah. Oh, no. I know. No, so old. Him off. Anthony, I'm like, what a, you know, yeah. I'm not going to write him off. He's it's been up and down. Lead. He's had moments of promise. He's worked well with Ten Hag before. Martial's uh, hurt most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, they've been starting, no offense to vote Veghorst, but he is not, like, a Manchester United starting caliber number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, He's worked really hard and had, like, some okay performances. Um, But otherwise, their bench is just, like, young players yeah, you know a lot of these guys are really exciting like mm-hmm. football palistry they're exciting they're not ready for this no. garnacho yeah uh yeah i was just reading the guys on yeah the, yeah the event today but they're just not ready for like a long get to yeah i mean but oh, they clearly need quality players and productive players in a couple of key spots yeah like and bringing sabitzer in permanent would be a night maybe a nice cheap move for them yeah probably this summer he's a good play. rotation player yeah, um, they can, can start for them. If yeah, needs to too. I think. Like, I mean, with every like Casemiro signing, I think they do need like somebody like Sabitz or those little margin things, where it's like a player that can fill quality minutes for you without shitting the bed. Yeah. Um, they really need that at center back because they have two really good center backs right now, and mm-hmm. then Maguire and Lindelof are disasters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially Maguire. Um, they're not reliable center backs at all. No, and they need better midfield options than like. No offense to like Fred and McTominay, but we've seen like that they can't be a uh, top four pairing in the cha- in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, 
Like Fred is perfectly fine to bring off the bench, mm-hmm. like like you would Sabitzer normally, but yeah. they just need more. They need I more they, of at every position. Yeah, because they need one more real midfielder. Because also mm-hmm. look at the guys that started for them today, which might be their starting midfield right now. It's Christian minus Eric- minus Bruno. Oh yeah, yeah. Christian Eriksen, thirty-one, also literally died on a field. Yeah, right? like, not too long ago. Not too long. Yeah, really. Not, not even long. two years ago. He's not allowed <laughs> to play in Syria. Yeah, he's not. You're, he's not alive dangerous. enough. He's not. He's not alive enough. Casemiro. I mean, 30, he's fine with a stint. Like yeah. that's a silly rule. I think it is. I agree. Yeah. But I was just trying to ram home a point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Casemiro, thirty-one. The Premier League seems fine giving him red cards unlike la liga they gave him red cards so often (laughs) yeah so that's a risk yeah abitur 29 hasn't been like a real also they don't own him yet in three years so they don't own him yeah so you're talking about three guys that are likely on the back end of their bag horse is 30 yeah four guys that are on the back fred is 30 and five just keep going how old's mccominay uh younger yeah he's 26 he's only 26 can you believe that i can he seems so much older to me (laughs) But, like, their midfield just has a lot of guys who are kind of on the back end of their prime. That's the place I feel like. How is Juan Basaka only 25? Juan Basaka was super young when he broke out of the palace. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. I'm tired of talking about United. Yeah. They don't deserve this much attention. One more thing I want to talk about with United with, Mm -hmm. since they won the Europa League in Mm 2016-17, they've been eliminated from all their European competitions, obviously. It was Real Madrid in the Super Cup over that summer. Uh, Champions League, they got... Got through the groups and then Sevilla. Mm-hmm. Champions League got through the groups, got through PSG, Barcelona, Spanish team. <laughs> uh, Europa League the next year, get all the way to the semifinal, Sevilla. <laughs> they get grouped in the Champions League. They can't League. beat Sevilla, dude. The next year, go all the way to the Europa League final, uh, Sevilla. Sevilla. Yeah, yeah, Villarreal. Champions League the next year, get out of their groups, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid. <laughs> this year. It's the curse. Get out of their groups, go Spanish, Spanish. Spanish is the curse over? No, Sevilla knock them out. Yeah, they, not to forget that they beat Barcelona before they beat Betis. Yeah, so they, um, and but they look really good in those. Two what players. a Our hilarious to lose to the worst Spanish team they play in the competition. Yeah, they play Sociedad, Barcelona, and Betis, and go out to Sevilla, yeah. but <laughs> who are who are like thirteenth or fourteenth still in La Liga. Absolutely, in chaos Spanish teams right now. Yeah, but it's just it's exciting to see for me. Yeah, and I would let's give some credit to uh, Jose oh. Luis Mendilibar, who we ranked eighth of our eight remaining <laughs> Europa yeah. League managers for good reason. He's never he's spent most of his career coaching like bottom five or six teams yeah, in uh, kind of doing what he's doing in, right now. In right? yeah, fair enough. Like to bottom teams? half teams, he's coached Ibar twice, Osasuna when they were worse, Levante and Alavés, um, who notably aren't in uh. Notably, Ibar and Alaves and Levante are all in the second tier right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for him to come in and get this sort of bounce, obviously they haven't been great in the league, but they've been enough to get off the bottom. Yeah. Um, been... But for a result like this, for them to, like, have the have the resolve to stick together in the first tie when they're getting their ass kicked and not concede uh, again, and then to come out with the energy they did today, um, really impressive. I mean, obviously they don't – their players – they have the players not to be bottom half in La Liga. Oh, They're not a top four team anymore by any means, but mm-hmm. they do have the players to not get relegated. So, yeah. so they're not as bad as they've been like player for player. And it's nice to see him getting something out of them. So congratulations to him. This is probably the highlight of his career. 
Yeah, and we should say also, like, tactically, I think he nailed this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about them potentially losing the midfield battle. and Especially without United the- having their preferred attacking options without Rashford and Bruno, who are their best mm-hmm. attacking players. Yeah. Um, like, they, I think, yeah, they bet on them not being able to break down or move and tra- move quick enough through the lines yeah. when they send that initial press mm-hmm. to, to hurt them um, until they get back into their block and they're correct. Yeah, the big thing in tactics nowadays defensively seems to be compressing the space that teams have to work, mm-hmm. right? Because defenders nowadays, we have so many fast defenders who can keep up with these guys. And Sevilla don't really have that. So they created the space and they were like, United can't move it quick enough for this to hurt us. Mm-hmm. Like United can't hurt us in if we give them all the space mm-hmm. because offensively they just don't have the guys to break you down individually, at least with their injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And Sevilla, I thought they did a great job of pairing the press with a kind of lower block, which is pretty rare to see. So Mendelobar nailed it today. Mm-hmm. Really, really good performance. In, that. in other United news, you see Lissandro Martinez and United gave the Pope a Lissandro Martinez jersey. I saw that. I guess he was happy because he's Argentinian. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, maybe he's hoping his injury will go away faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> away. I mean, <laughs> not in time for this game. Honestly, that very well could be. Not a bad strategy. <laughs> not a bad strategy. Uh, didn't, not in time for today. Um, and Max, who will Sevilla be facing in the Europa League semi final? Sevilla will be facing uh, Bayer Leverkusen. No, they will not be. They will not be. They will be facing Juventus. Yeah. Spoiled the other game. Max is really bad at reading brackets. Uh, This bracket is... This is not in a bracket. <laughs> well, I didn't see the bracket. I forgot what the bracket was. Uh, I've tried to like six times today, and I cannot remember. Yeah. This yeah. this game played out frustratingly similar to the first leg, <laughs> in which Sporting had many chances to level the tie, but some Allegri bullshit prevails in the end. It ends... 1-1 on the day, 2-1 to Juventus on aggregates. Um, and uh, I will say Sporting have themselves to blame for conceding here today because uh, the ninth-minute Rabio go-ahead goal wasn't particularly uh, – didn't need to happen, let's say. Yeah. They don't clear the ball on multiple chances from a corner, and Rabio just cleans up scraps. It's really bad set-piece defending, mm-hmm. and it was frustrating. Um, then Bayerine, of all people, not that long after – um, remember, he has a huge miss in the end of the first leg yeah. in Turin, where he basically has an open goal and hits a red at the goalkeeper. Um, he hits the post mm. in this case, um, just a few minutes after the Rabio goal. Uh, a cross ricochets off of him. It's not really this is a not re- this one's I can't really put on him. It's a good chance. It's so close, so yeah. close to the leveler um, on the day. Um, but right. After this, Rabio concedes a penalty, so it's all good, Hector. Yeah. Um, not for the first time, but like, still, I'm still mad about that. Um, Marcus Edwards steps up from the spot. No idea who was their penalty taker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it. I guess maybe I think Pedro Gonzalez usually is, but he's not. He wasn't. He wasn't in. Um, I mean, he was in, but he just didn't. Take oh, it. he was. Yeah, uh, I don't know why then. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Edwards just puts up the middle, scores the equalizer on the day. One behind in the tie from here. And Sporting have a number of big chances in the later stages of the second half here, um, including a moment where Escayo blasts over from close range after a mistake from Danilo, but it's nowhere as bad as the worst miss of the day here. It's so similar to the Bayerine chance in its quality, um, not in its content necessarily. Coates, the captain, the center back, in the 88th minute, Edwards gets the touchline and hits Coates like seven yards out. 
middle of the goal, but the, the ball is in the air a little bit, but it has to be scored. He mm-hmm. side foots it miles over the bar, doesn't even hit the target. That's a really bad miss. And it's so similar to what I felt after that bear in <laughs> the miss in the first leg where I'm like, no, Coates misses another big chance to close range two minutes later. Fortunately for him, this one would be ruled off sides. Um, but between the goal they conceded today and some of those big misses, Sporting, I think, will feel they've left a lot on the table in this tie, particularly after they dispatched league-leading Arsenal just a few weeks prior. Um, they looked the better team at, for swaths of this tie, yeah. but Juve just somehow manages not to concede, even when they don't deserve to not concede. I do defend Juventus. I don't want to give them that bit. much credit. There were also a few Juve chances that not went, many. went missing, most notably a gimme, a little tap-in as Quadrado beats his defender to the post, or to the byline, sends it across. Vlaovic is right there. Doesn't that get blocked? No, it's just off of Vlaovic's face. Oh, I thought he blo- I thought it got it's blocked. It's blocked up into Vlaovic, uh-huh. and then it's still an easy header. Ball's not moving very fast. Mm-hmm. He just kind of takes it to the face, and it shoots way wide. Adam yeah. was, beaten, was beaten on that one as well. But, yeah, I mean, Juventus... Finishing has always or been an issue for them in both ties, but it always seems to work out fine for them because their mm-hmm. opponents can never finish against mm-hmm. them. This is just like every league game that they play where you're like, how did they not allow more goals? Yeah, apparently Mob rates that as a 0.86 XG. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was more than half of their XG today. <laughs> yeah. That was a... I mean, yeah, it was a disaster, isn't it? Yeah, it was... Uh, they're, didn't even relate to uh rabio's goal was their only shot on target today mm-hmm. uh sporting only managed two but that wasn't and, and and that was really for lack of trying because they just kept insisting on blasting things over the fucking goal yeah uh yeah sporting had a two xg total a 2.03 so only scoring one goal off of that very disappointing but it's just it's they, the way that Juventus have been playing nowadays. It's like, they just had, and it wasn't just that though. It was like they, it wasn't just like they only had two shots on target. It doesn't tell the story because they have Sporting's just accuracy in these two games was yeah. so bad. Well, that's why I was saying they just can't hit the target. XG, like yeah, to only hit the target twice on two XG. That's crazy. Not even force it. To can't even like, hit the target. And it's not even that Chesney had a great day. I mean, yeah. he had a couple good saves, but like, or not a couple good moments. I he guess. barely like, had to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, but the. Uh, Toward the end, he had a good, uh, good showing when he stood up to Quates right there at the byline, the one that was ruled out. Yeah, ruled off sides. Thought he did well there and uh-huh. like positioned himself well. But yeah. yeah, he didn't have to do that much. And a frustrating season for force... Sporting ends in further frustration. Yeah, you have to at least uh, force Chesney yeah. to do anything. Now I'm like, there's Sevilla Juve is like the most dark arts. Dark arts inevitable. It's like neither of them, are they both going to make the final somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. You say Juve are favorites, but like honestly, anything could happen in that game. Like, yeah, talent wise, Juventus are one hundred percent up with I'm the best teams in this. Unimpressed with, I'm unimpressed with them both so they, hard that they it's can't like, finish. Sevilla yeah. have the dark arts, yeah, of this competition, but Juventus just don't somehow don't allow more goals. It's it's it, been a it's good absurd. day for Juventus. Yeah, really good day for uh, Juventus. Yeah, the biggest news for Juventus may not have even been on the field. It no. was in the courtroom where they got their 15 points back, sending them to third. Now they don't have to uh, win the Europa League to make the Champions League yeah. next season. There is another appeal coming likely in 30 days. Yeah. So but the season will be over by then, basically. But they, the points would still be for this season. <laughs> That's so, so wild. So confused. I'd, 
Uh, cannot. Just for the vibes, it'll probably be overturned then and then overturned again. Yeah. The <laughs> fact that the points were put on this year when you knew this was a possibility mm-hmm. is absurd. Like, as a Milan fan, I'm pissed because we've clearly made rotational decisions and tactical decisions based on have, but yeah. being We should have known this was coming. Yeah, I, we should have. Purely should have thought ahead. And management should have thought ahead. Yeah, they well. absolutely should have. They, like, they live also, in Italy. They know how it works. It's also bad for Juventus. Like, they made decisions based on the fact that they were docked points, mm-hmm. right? There's no way that they were making some of the... There's no way Allegri, of all people, is putting Gatti and Fagioli in those lineups if he <laughs> thinks that they're fighting for the Champions League. They turned out to right? be decent. Yeah, so if a blessing this guys, but now Atalanta get pushed down to the yeah. Conference League. Feel for Bologna and for Fiorentina, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were right there. Yeah. They were really pushing Juventus for uh, seventh place at the time. But Especially Bologna, who yeah. aren't in a European competition, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, it won't be now. <laughs> Fiorentina, though, we'll talk about them later. Their yeah. chances might have gone up a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, let's move. To, let's do. Uh, let's do the hipster tie of the week. The one that you spoiled for us. Yeah, it is. That was Union Saint Gilles one, four Bayer Leverkusen. They win five two. The visitors. Um. And we've been t- praising Saint Gilles so much for their calm and composure at this stage which i haven't been to since the 20s and they finally capitulated today to the pressure and made some silly errors leverkusen came to play today um they came with pace they came with pressing um but it was two big early mistakes from the union saint joas defense that uh that sets the tone for this one much like in the united game um the uh yeah basically they gift Diaby a goal just about a minute into the game um it it starts with a bad touch from Burgess the captain Burgess yeah, no he was a... the captain no Burgess was the captain um he's had a, or Burgess like, he's been great for them now. yeah Burgess had a great is it him no two was the captain was I'm the sorry captain. but they're the you know the two yeah kind of he's the old of the yeah club right now uh, and it's such a good tournament he'd been so yeah. impactful he and... takes a really bad touch here and then uh, even more at fault is Linen with a shocking toe poke back pass yeah. that puts Diaby just through on goal. <laughs> uh, Diaby still has a bit to do. He he goes around the keeper and finishes well. Um, it's a dreadful moment from the two of them though. Two experienced players who should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at home, the minute ends, like that's not the time to be taking those sorts of chances to be putting you on the back foot. Um. And then, you know, St. Joe was looked like they could maybe get it together, but they really struggled with coping with the obvious speed the whole first half. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he blasts through the midfield. I think this was the 37th minute. Um, he lays off to uh, Lojek on the right, who puts a nice chip across to an open Bakker, who was a simple touch at the far post to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to Meg the keeper and uh give them the 2-0 advantage um no one could keep up with Diaby here um which is weird because they looked like you know they were able to sort of control those counter-attacking like sprinting situations from Leverkusen in the in the first leg but they were not able to um in the first half here and you know what the third goal is, is even worse disaster than the first um Burgess again he's pressed on his back pass um, this is in the second half now. Sixtieth minute. Sixtieth minute. He uh he uh so his back pass to Morris in goal. It's not a great one, but it's handleable. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts him under a bit of pressure, but Morris takes a really heavy first touch that makes him have to chase the ball. And then instead of just getting rid of it into the stands, he plays a really awful vertical pass straight to Frimpong, like straight to him. He has to just like roll into an empty net with a simple finish. It's so easy. I could have finished it. Very De Gea-esque. Um, and it really looks like it's going to put the tie to bed here. Um, credit to the hard press from Bakker, who had a really nice afternoon slash evening, depending on where you are in the world. Um, he he really bears down on Morris and goal. Um, but it was ugly. Um, and it took that third goal to finally wake St. Joe Laws up. Yeah, I thought they responded really, really well to the they third goal. Did. They, they really, did. They really – Which is, <laughs> which is like, very uh, veiled – uh, com- a very veiled compliment there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, wow! After conceding three bad goals, they yeah, <laughs> or two awful goals, they finally they finally turned up. Finally, got a goal of their own. Casper Taro uh, got a uh, the ball was deflected, so he kind of slides past Kradecki, right? Yeah, it's Teddy Tuma. It's Teddy Tuma who's Mister Assist always, always who who lofts it uh to the far post. Oh, sorry, that's I'm talking about the wrong goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think it. I think it. I think it might take a slight defection into the side netting. Mm-hmm. Either that, or it's a really nice finish. Um, but they really turn on after that because um, when Teddy Tuma gets to the byline. No, I'm so wrong. A reset. Pretend okay. this never happened. Dun 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 dun. dun. Thinking of the wrong goal. Teddy Tuma lost the ball from the right side of the box to the far post. Victor Boniface is bearing down. Yeah. Um and. He sort of does a diving header sort of situation at close range, and he can't quite connect with it. Collides with the keeper a little bit. Um, at that point, it would have really been game on because they could have pulled it back within one goal. But and that's the goals that we've seen them be kind of be scoring this competition. So it's like mm-hmm. moments of just absolute brilliance that you would never expect yeah. from a team that isn't you know one of the top five in the world. Mm-hmm. And they'd had those moments in them before. They weren't falling today. They were making simple mistakes. Mm-hmm. Felt like a lot of things just unraveled yeah. altogether. It was a bad day yeah. overall. They did have one more bit of of wonderful play while mm-hmm. still within touching distance here. Um, that it's, it's a strike that hits the post, but it was offside in the buildup anyway. Um, and then um, sort of as they're pu- as they as they push to make the game competitive again, uh, they're hit on the counter. Uh, a saved strike is put home by Lojek. And the tie is really over this time. Yeah. Um, and you know Leverkusen showed today. I think how dangerous they can be. We've talked about them a lot. We've 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 heaped a lot of love loving on them, especially um, on Xabi Alonso. Mm-hmm. And why they've been so impressive under him. They're really young. They're really fast. They'll completely exhaust you, and then they'll pounce on your mistakes when you make them. Yeah. The difference from the first leg is that Saint Charles didn't make any mistakes. Uh, yeah, and uh, they've kind of played mistake-free football this entire tournament, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they've made it this far. They've been clinical and smart. Um, today they were neither. Yeah. Um, just like that moment in March Madness where Cinderella makes a run to like the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. and they just finally they fuck don't, it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They it, caused it, their it, own it, downfall today. Yeah. You can't start the way they did. Um. All those things that kept them from being a high yeah. seed coming in. When two, when you concede and... three goals on two really stupid errors, then yeah. perhaps the moment's finally caught up to you. Although, to be fair, they played better than third place in the Premier League. So mm-hmm. They didn't make as they many sure mistakes did, as but United did. I don't want to leave them off on a sour note. It's been a genuine pleasure to watch them in the competition yeah. this year. It's been fun for all of us. Probably the most fun team to watch in the competition. I mean, just mm-hmm. a good story. 
yeah, great story. Even a though they're owned of, by a rich person now, so. But a lot of good football too. I think that's yeah. the most surprising. It's like they I, they didn't look outmatched by any of these clubs, like yeah. technically. And I think a lot impressive. of times we see these like runs by smaller teams is because they're playing like a back five with mm-hmm. two central defensive midfielders, and they're just keeping the ball as much as they can in their back line. They're not mm-hmm. playing football. They're just trying to run the clock out. Mm-hmm. But St. Joe played actually really exciting stuff. They looked really dangerous attacking. They could play in tons of different ways. They had individuals who had the quality to be playing at high levels as well. I agree, yeah. They earned it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, one second. Yeah, anyway, so Leverkusen looks a real threat to uh, win the competition. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. feel. Um, and uh, who will they be playing, David? They will be playing AS Roma, the defending <laughs> Conference League champions, moving one step closer. Max is not a fan. Roma, if you can't tell. The defending Conference League champions moved one step closer to adding a Europa League title this year after they dispatched Feyenoord, but it was not easy. I don't have anything to say about this game. Let's move on to the conference league. (laughs) This game went all the way to extra time. Uh, The first half had a couple decent chances, but nothing super crazy. Um, Feyenoord probably the slightly, maybe the slightly better team in the first half, but Rui Patricio had himself a good half and was reliable when called upon, which has been a question for Roma for the last, I don't know, 15 years at this point when it comes to their goalkeepers. It's been a while, and Patricio... In a little bit of good form, which is nice to see for Roma. But the second half is where things kind of change. Spinazzola scores in the 60th minute, uh, puts the first one back. It's kind of scuffed along in the in the box. It falls to Spinazzola, who just fires it into the low corner, puts Roma up one nothing on the day, one one overall. Uh, but Feyenoord. They fought back. It was still very even game. I would say until mm. late in this game, it was yeah. very, very even. Feyenoord, they come burn down the sideline. They flick across into the box, and it's Igor Piaucho, who is completely unmarked. Chow? Paixão? I think so. Okay. Where is he from? Brazil? Uh, it's probably Paixão. Or... Paixão? Yeah. Okay. I really struggle with the X's. Yeah. It's just I always so for them. Paixão? Something like that. Okay. So he flicks his header back onto the goal. It's actually it's a very nice header, but very he left nice header. He's wide completely open, completely unmarked. There's clearly forgot to defend him. Yeah, I mean that's it's a pretty quick movement from Feyenoord, so I think it just caused some miscommunication mm-hmm. in the Roma back line. Matic and I believe it was Ibanez are both kind of near um, Paixão, uh-uh. near Some's near Paixão, and. <laughs> There's a little bit of miscommunication, I think, as to who's supposed to pick him up. And then the cross is whipped in. And you can see Abanez is kind of moving toward him, but then backs away because mm-hmm. he thinks that cross. There's no way Paisha, that ball is going to Paisha. I think it's going way over to Jimenez, who was at the far post being marked by Smalling. And Abanez is like, I'm going to back up and try to challenge the ball before it gets there. Mm. He That's a mistake on his part because it was right onto Paisha's head. Yeah. And he buries it home. But... Roma were not done. They'd recently brought on Tammy Abraham and Paula Dybala, who made all the difference. It is probably the goal of the day in the 89th minute. Quite a brilliant goal. Yeah. Roma had put all the pressure on Feyenoord, 
after the second goal or after Feyenoord's first goal. As this they one, had about 15 minutes left of, in the competition. Yeah. If they um, didn't score. Absolutely needed it. But you know what? I could tell the second Paishao scored that Roma uh we're gonna we're gonna score again yeah i don't you, even you even me. because it's just fucking bull because it always happens they always like they always have something in this iteration of the team where it's like they have some like an inevitability about it that's really irritating like i it's don't not, know i enjoy watching this roma team i think uh, they're a fun team to watch they play really good stuff but sometimes, i understand sometimes they play good stuff sometimes they just walk the ball forward and tammy plays on to other people and somehow no one's ever prepared for that I understand that you have issues with Jose, so we'll leave it at that. So many issues with Jose. This one, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini plays the ball into Dybala on the left side of the box, and Dybala has a silky turn to the outside, just keeps the ball right next to him, fires it across the face of the goal. It's hard to even really do justice I to it with words. I can't describe it with words. It's you quite a brilliant finish. It. The turn is... He hits lovely. the top corner. Yeah, it's... Somehow, falling down with the... With the with, the an end injured, of his with an injured right foot, yeah. mind you. And he does all this with his right foot. Well, which the, he'd the been shot avoiding. was with his left foot. Yeah, or the turn was with his right foot, shot with yeah. his left foot. But he'd been avoiding using his right foot all day. Yeah. Like, you can go back and watch all of his touches. He's Every time he's shifting the ball onto his left, he doesn't feel comfortable on his right all day. He turns it but on that for this turn one. just gorgeous. It was a nasty goal. Yeah. Uh, so Roma... They, they probably maybe. needed it to, to... Yeah, they needed it. It was they 89 minutes. Yeah, they so, thought that there's no guarantee they were going to find anything else no. from this their direct ball lumps. But mm-hmm. you know, we did talk about something like with Feyenoord up one nil at the end of the first leg, and we talked about this that they looked a little, they looked like they weren't fully capable of dealing with Roma packing the box and just like peppering balls in. Yeah, um, I thought they really struggled with that, like from the set pieces and corners at the end of the game in extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, that it wasn't the thing that eventually cost them, but it but that the they had no like release point when they had to really just like stick eleven in the box and 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 try to head off uh crosses and I think eventually that pressure point they weren't really able to cope with that sort of that sort of pressure which is like really what Rome was good at <laughs> yeah and Rome are very very good at set pieces yeah and just like crop I mean Dybala is. Like he didn't put a foot wrong in his deliveries mm-hmm. in this game. Like he had a, his in swingers on corners yeah. were frightening, um, and Feyenoord just like didn't seem super equipped. Yeah, to handle and especially that in either leg in these frankly. late game situations when Roma yeah. are able to get their defenders forward because mm-hmm. when they aren't, it's just, just they're big boys. It's just Tammy up there, yeah. right? When it's kind of the midpoints of the game, Tammy's the only real heading threat they have mm-hmm. in their front group of players. Or Belotti when he's out there. Uh, but, you know, when they're able to bring forward Mancini or Smalling or Ibanez, those are three big boys. Yeah, Three guys who can head home something from across and can get onto the top of almost any cross. Mm-hmm. Right, so very, very dangerous team late in games because of that. Mm-hmm. Which might be why you speak that inevitability. Like, because they're so good in those situations, so good at set pieces, so good with... Uh, their defenders scoring from headers that it does almost feel inevitable that like those are going to be the guys who score for Roma, mm-hmm. especially since Tammy, despite being, I thought Tammy was great today. He did a wonderful job passing it two assists, uh, which we'll talk about in a second and you know, found the spaces, played players almost, almost, an ass- almost a different assist that was ruled for a push rightfully. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit harsh, but definitely like a very, very fair call. He, he does. He pushes them. them. Yeah, he yeah. shouldn't have pushed them. He pushes them. It's not a strong push, but it's still a push. Shouldn't have pushed them. But uh, yeah, Tammy can't score. No, he can't <laughs> no, score. It's absurd. Nothing he does works when he tries to score. It's better if he like uses his big old head to lay yeah. off for other people. We'll talk about extra time in one second, but I just want to, before we go there, Tammy had 1.88 XG today. How is that possible? He did not score. How is that possible? <laughs> That's according to FOMA again. All of our stats are from FOMA. Yeah. So, so some of them will differ. They tend to be a little more generous yeah. on their XG, whatever site they use to yeah. generate XG, but, but still. Tammy had a shit ton of chances today. <laughs> he did have two assists and... How many big chances did he have? Uh, It only said one. That can't, that can't be. It has to be more. <laughs> he can get, he had be. at least three in yeah. extra time. In extra time, though, I think is really where we saw the like quality difference in these rosters and like the depth and like, it, that top end quality. Find order out of gas. Yeah. That top end quality on Roma is exceptional as well. I mean, guys like Tammy are very gifted players. Cristante and Matic are super underrated this year as a midfield pairing. Matic has a, had a nice bounce back year. Yeah. After being sort of like buried on the United bench for years mm-hmm. and seemingly past his prime. I mean, he is past his prime, but yeah, he's know. 34, but he's being used yeah. in such a deliberate, specific, tactical role mm-hmm. that he's able to thrive so well. Jose, the guy who brought him to United as well, right? Mm-hmm. Jose knows what he wants out of Matic and he fits that role super, super well, that kind of defensive mm-hmm. destroyer role. So he can play that back three without. Well, having ball carriers in that back three without having the risk because Matic can just tackle mm-hmm. anybody. Um, also, Spinazzola, Pellegrini, like those are guys that are just yeah, better. Good, yeah. There's better than Feyenoord's players a little bit, and it kind of showed eventually. But yeah, extra time was all Roma. Yeah, Feyenoord had nothing left, I think. They're, yeah, just a dominant performance. They're hanging on for dear life from the beginning. They just like didn't look like they had the fitness mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. To, to keep it up. And uh, it was the 96th minute. Dabala curls the ball in off the post. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure it was going in. Yeah. But Roma didn't take long to actually score. It's a beautiful pass from Pellegrini to slip Abraham down toward the byline. He's mm-hmm. running past his defenders. And then almost a better pass from Abraham right in front of Bailao's hands, just far enough away from the goal that Bailao can't stop it. Right into the oncoming Stefan El Sharale, El Feroe, the Pharaoh taps it in. Who came on for my poor boy Genie in the 21st? Oh, yeah. Genie might Genie had another injury setback. Yeah. Which you hate to see. Yeah. It's been a rough go for him since leaving Liverpool. Yeah. He can't stay fucking healthy, man. Yeah. But uh, that Hopefully was. Hopefully, it's nothing serious this time. Like when he got hurt before, it was a broken leg. So, yeah. I don't <laughs> the think start of his, it's the start of his Roma career. So, that is about as bad as it gets. Yeah. So um, then. Between that goal and the 109th, just had Tammy miss like 17 chances. But he also <laughs> was like the main reason they would get uh, all those chances. Fucking yeah. annoying. But then Lorenzo Pellegrini sends Roma through the next round. 109th minute, he scores. He's the first to react off a blocked shot, puts it in the back of the net. Roma are through. That's the game. Done and dusted. Feyenoord will never want to see Roma again. <laughs> they, they must be so sick of they Roma. might, because Feyenoord... First in the Eredivisie, Roma top four right now. They must be Decent so sick of this competition too. Yeah, and Feyenoord. Uh, we see a third matchup next year in the Champions League. Maybe I would love that. Yeah, Feyenoord. I'm sure are sick of it. Feyenoord are well on their way to their first league title since 2017. 
So we'll send them out with some applause as well. They've had yeah. a great season. This, this has been a very good season by Feyenoord. And they... Two I, excellent seasons in a row. Yeah, I thought both of these games were played really, really well by both sides. Like, Roma just slightly edged mm-hmm. Feyenoord over the game. Feyenoord, was... they might have gotten it done if it wasn't for the brilliance. One brilliant moment from Paolo yeah. Dybala. One shiny big, moment. Big-time player. Jose, I'm sure, will take all the credit for it. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the Europa Conference League, where we also had some bangers. Is there anywhere to start? But the drama, let's in Italy, in Florence to be specific, Fiorentina loses at home to Lech on the day, 2-3, but wins 6-4 on aggregate. But it wasn't quite so simple, David, was it? No. Oh, oh man, we were talking about how this was the only tie that was over. <laughs> yeah. You're talking like, okay, even if Fiorentina rotate, it might be like yeah. a 2-1 or 1-0. But, man. Lech Boy, did they fucking. Like. Fiorentina almost fucking blew this one, man. They really made things hard on themselves, going down 3-0 by the 69th minute to level the tie at four apiece. Nice, very nice. But let's walk through how we got there. No Ishak today for Lech to start. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Not really sure why he came out on the 79th minute. He's been their leading scorer in the competition. Whatever. Probably focusing on Uh, the league at this point. Didn't matter much for the game, though, because goals were not a problem for them. Um, At least not by the 69th minute. They found their hope early on. The eight-minute mark. It was a shitty clearance from Benuti uh, inside and across the, in the box, and it falls right at the feet of Afonso Sosa. He makes it 1-0. 2-4 on aggregate. Bednarek makes a big save in the 59th minute. That keeps Lech in it. Right after, a Lech through ball breaks the Florentina line, which results in a trip by Terzic. A trip by Terzic in the box. Wasn't called on the field. VAR refers the referee to the monitor. He doesn't get a ton of the player, but he definitely makes a bit of contact uh, with the bottom of his boot. It's really clumsy. Skorash uh, definitely makes a meal out of it. Um, Skorash, Skorash, Skorash. But uh, them's the breaks, man. Silly stuff from yeah, Terzic. Don't put yourself in that position. Yeah, don't put Terzic. yourself in Terzic. I think it's uh, one of those situations where it's like, you know, we talked about Fiorentina have talent when they rotate. But Terzic hasn't played that much, and he's a little rusty. And that's the type of play you see from guys who are not really, like, in the flow of games. And he'd come on as a sub, too, in the start of the second half. So just uh, one of those moments, like, he was just clumsy and kind of out of the game. Anyway, Velda dispatches the pen. Suddenly it's game on. There's just one goal in it. Then the leveling goal comes just minutes later. The home side seems intent on making on continuing their sloppy marking and play. Uh, it's a quick throw that catches Barak by surprise. It slips in Karlstrom to the touchline, who is, mind you, center back, an overlapping center back. What is this Sheffield United from from twenty nineteen? Uh, he's made his Karlstrom's made a run all the way from his defensive line. He cuts back to Sobiek, who has a simple tap in front of goal. It's absolute scenes on the visitors bench. It's three 0 on the day. The impossible is having its four four overall. Never count out Lech Posman. Um and it's hard to give Fiorentina too much uh too much credit for the performance today, <laughs> <laughs> given how bad they were for the first 70 minutes, but they did at the very least play well the last 20 minutes. Yeah. They responded to this setback finally. Um they answered within 10 minutes, and unfortunately for Lech, it's a bad headed clearance from a free kick that lands at the at the feet of Sotil, who does really well to find the back of the net with the side foot. But I think Lech will rue the clearance from their captain, Morawski, who, much like the, their first goal, 
um, comes off a mistake on the clearance that could have been avoided. Um, and stoppage count, Castrovilli seals it um, after D'Agostano gives it away. Um, and Lech just didn't really have the uh, didn't really have the energy to go f- get another equalizer. Yeah. Um, they had found a lot of success during playing through balls and running like madmen at Fiorentina's insistence at playing a high line. Um, it's the Italian way. But he's gonna I do it. I think they'd probably just given a little too much by the time Fiorentina went back up on the on the tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have quite enough to see it through. But what a what a monumental effort for them. Fair play to Lech Poznan. They've been so fun this entire tournament. It's a sad day. We're saying goodbye to so many of our favorite hipster teams. Yeah. Um, but, but in in ways I didn't expect. I didn't think like they had it in them today. No, I thought this was gonna be kind yeah. of a simple game for Fiorentina, but it's if any, if we well, thought where... this might be a possibility in the Braga tie, yeah. where Braga scored two early goals and then Fiorentina quickly put it to bed, but it's it's like a little bit of a worrying pattern for them if they're going to keep if they're going to keep scoring a lot of goals in one leg and then deciding to take it eat rest on their laurels at the start of the next. Yeah, and it's they one... might be able to coast on talent anyway. Yeah, yeah, they probably are the most talented team in this competition. Uh, West Ham might them have something Ham, to yeah. say about that, but Fiorentina West Ham play worse. Yeah. Um. I think part of the thing is Italiano, he's got a little bit of that Bielsa and Zeman in him where he's like, one way to play, he's yeah. going to attack. But the thing is, they didn't it's... attack well enough today either. No. <laughs> they didn't score. It felt like the early season Until it, yeah. Fiorentina, right? Where they just yeah. weren't scoring. They weren't really linking up play super well together either. Yeah. Um, it was nice to see Sotil back out there. He doesn't always uh, get as many look-ins as I would like with him being a young Italian player. But... Yeah, it felt like early season Fiorentina where they're just attacking and leaving way too much space at the back, but their attack is inefficient. You're more obsessed baseball. with the young Italian men than the Catholic Church. <laughs> oh, oh. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun. But yeah, Italian's just got he's got that one way to play. And in these second legs sometimes when Yeah, it wasn't you the kind of wanna sit back. You yeah. know, and, and they were they were pressure. They were just like uh, Fatmob has Lech at a 2.2 XG today. Yeah. Um, which you just can't allow at home in the second leg. Mm-hmm. Um, what what in a game where you're protecting a big lead, like yeah. they they were just asking for trouble with. I mean, once Lech figured out that they could basically just boot the ball over the top and run, like Fiorentina were in a bit of trouble. But you know, again, they it didn't they didn't completely fold and lose their heads. Yeah. Well, after they blew the lead in front of, yeah, you know, a crowd that actually kind of showed up today. Uh, they got a decent is... number of fans in there. They didn't fill up, obviously, but they got a pretty no, it's a decent. Big... They had a decent number of fans there, so it's an oversized um, stadium. But... I mean, they're still the favorites, but uh, this gave me a little pause about their about their tact. Yeah. Um. But anyway, you know what made me very confident about Fiorentina's ability at least getting to the about final. To into the mic? Uh, no. That was not what gave me confidence. No. It was the Basel Nice result is what really gave me confidence in Fiorentina. Yeah, here we thought Nice were at least gonna give them a game, and fuck it, maybe Basel will. They keep surprising us too. Yeah. Um, but Basel offered so little for so long in this game. Nice. I mean, I guess we should say the score. It was. Uh, it was Nice one two Basel after extra time. Basel wins four three on aggregate. Um, remember they uh they drew in the first leg. Yeah, back in Switzerland. Two two. Um, Nice 
were all over Basel in the first 15 minutes of this game. Um, they got a disallowed goal in the sixth minute for offside. Um, but then Laborde is the recipient of a mistake from the Basel back line uh, to put home uh, 10 minutes in. Adams is stripped from behind by Moffy here. Mm-hmm. And then Taram and Ramsey work to Laborde on the right side of the box. He cuts left, benefits from a big deflection, takes it beyond hits, who's unlucky. But um, it, they're totally good for the goal at that point. Well worth the goal. It's been all nice, but then, you know, Basel are able to settle back in the game despite not looking up for it from the start. Nice doesn't put as much pressure as they should be. Um, nice does almost put the tie to bed in the 64th minute with another fucking overhead kick. A ridiculous attempt from Laborde. Yeah. Who's what's who's their overhead kicks coach? <laughs> Doing a great at this, job at this club. I don't know, but Laborde is bursting with confidence and he makes incredible contact in this case, but it's just like a yard or two wide. But god damn, these kids. Um <laughs> Basel, frankly, have almost nothing to offer in terms of attacking prowess <laughs> um, until deep, deep into the match. Uh, they start pushing a little bit, but the Eagle Artiser doesn't come until the 86th minute, and it's a really deep free kick, like, so far out. <laughs> uh, it's squared, and then just lumped into the box as far as they can, do, as far as they can kick it. Calafiori is able to win the first contact with the header. He knocks it down to Augustine, and then all of a sudden, the sea parts for him. There's nobody around. He takes a touch, and he fires a rocket past Schmeichel. Yeah. Who who must be wondering how you can have eight players defending inside of the box and, and nobody get nobody in front there. of this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's in the center of the box. <laughs> he's, a, he's alone in a crowded room yeah. at that point, moment I mean, in time. I mean, they're just like, I mean, literally I counted the players who are standing inside the 18-yard box. There's eight of them. Yeah. Plus, plus Schmeichel, and who's the ninth. We should say it's nice to see Jean-Kevin Augustine on the score sheet, too, because he came through and was a huge wonder kid at PSG, moved to Leipzig, and kind of got a little bit going there. He scored 20 goals for Leipzig, but things just kind of stalled for him at the end of his time there, and it'd been a since He didn't, went scoreless in three separate spells with Leeds, Nott, and then the not B. He was scoreless when he was loaned down to their B team. Yeesh. Yeah, That's and uh, he's been not having the best of times with Basel, but you know, last few games, he scored against Winter Third, start of April, got an assist against Zurich, and now a goal against Nice. So Dude, this was a fucking rocket, too. I mean, yeah. it, it he hit it so hard. Um, and honestly, Nice, I think, shouldn't have be in the position where one goal like that cost them cost them winning the tie because they, I mean, they're at home. They just take their foot off the gas and they don't they don't. Like, it's weird with this and, team, like, how off and on they can be. Yeah, and you know, we talked a lot in the first leg about how good Moffy was mm-hmm. and how he kind of, when he came in, he kind of changed their attack. He had one shot today. Yeah. One shot. They just couldn't get him involved. So I think Basel did a good job of, like, yeah, keeping some of the pressure away. It looked I mean, like it was going to be ugly at the start of the game. Yeah. But, but, you know, and they almost win it at the end of the 90 mm-hmm. because uh, an Endoy counterattacks effort rattles up the side side netting after like a huge save from Casper like the big strong finger from him that might be sneaking in the near post um then off the resulting corner Ed Mooney uh gets the second contact off of a, after after a corner um and he hits it off the post so Nice escape they very nearly could have been out after yeah. 90 after leading until the 86th minute um 
but yeah, so then an extra time, uh, Pepe looks like he might have gotten himself in a one-on-one with the keeper, like six minutes into extra time. Um, but it takes too fucking long. Adams does really well to get back and block the effort before he can get it off. Pepe being Pepe there. Um, if he takes a better second touch, he's in one-on-one with the keeper. Um, and then Basil get the motherfucking winner across from a recycled corner, finds the head of the big lad in the back, Adams. Uh, it's a fabulous header. Redirects the ball in the bottom corner. No chance for Casper Schmeichel. Um, Nice has a couple of chances to equalize, including an inexplicably unmarked header from nine yards, which is blazed clean over the top of the bar. Yeah, but that was by Aaron Ramsey, right? Yeah. Was the guy on the header? So maybe that was intentional. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing Aaron Ramsey has never really been capable of in his entire career, it's being clinical with his head. Right? Like, it's if you're going to leave it's one player joke. unmarked that wasn't supposed to be one, but we can leave it as one. That's a penis joke now. Yeah. Uh, later, a free kick from the substitute Bilal Brahimi hits the bar from 20, 25 yards out. Michael was well beaten there. Uh, just hits too high on the bar um and goes over casper also has to make an acrobatic save from an in swinging cross that almost uh squeezes top ends um earlier in the extra time period um in the end i'm sorry i'm saying casper for the hits yeah Yeah, hits for the for the uh for the free kick i apologize schmeichel does have to make the acrobatic save from the cross yes the free kick was for was was a nice free kick. Yeah. My apologies. Um, in the end, though, Nice doesn't just doesn't doesn't provide much. Um, all game in an attacking perspective, they're done by a couple of by one sort of slavily defended goal and one nice goal, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all. It they takes. were they were casual today, um, and they've been so disappointing all year except <laughs> for like one period of like two months where they played well yeah. um we we knew there was gonna be one upset in the in the conference league this year to, yeah. or this this, this, this round. round yeah and we were we talking about it we're like it's probably gonna be west ham <laughs> yeah we were kind of going back and forth like after the first leg yeah. we were kind of like okay it could be nice now but yeah it's probably gonna be west ham yeah. but, <laughs> but uh it was nice so yeah. it was almost fiorentina <laughs> it almost looked like it was west ham for a second too yeah. after uh they were matched up with Ghent. we know that was one one in the first leg but it's a bad start for West Ham. It's a bad start. And, you know, Moyes was clearly unimpressed with their performance because he made six changes from the team that he put out in Belgium last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't it didn't look any better at the start, did it? No, it was only the 26th minute when Hugo Kuypers finished the ball. Kuypers. Kuypers, sorry. It's the Dutch thing, man. <laughs> the Dutch and Portuguese, I just can't get. But Kuypers... Finishes the assist from Matisse Samoyes. And it was Paqueta, of all people, that caused the goal. He's one of West Ham's best players. Plays a terrible pass square straight to to Ghent um, in in their defensive half in the midfield. The resulting counter uh, ends in that Kuiper goal. Yeah, not really sure what Paqueta was trying to do there, but it put West Ham in a really, really bad spot. And it was a weird weird finish, too, because... So, but like, so Kuipers redirects it in, um, and Aguirre is on the line and tries to sort of shoulder it off, and his hands are behind his back. But the commentator kept saying that uh, it's a good thing he didn't keep it out because 
he might have gotten a red card and <laughs> yeah for for blocking it but i don't think he used i think it's touches on his shoulders i don't even know what yeah. he's talking about i mean well it's it, it felt like it was close but he was like there was a chance for like yeah you know no, no, bar no. in he kept pushing europe that narrative be... and that seemed like fake news to me yeah. but bar in europe can be a little yeah you're right <laughs> a little strict you're, you're right uh to west ham's credit though they did actually respond after that point mm-hmm. pretty quickly um they got back in the tie with set pieces which in their last two successful seasons where they made the Europa League were sort of their bread and butter, you know? Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's Jared Bowen's in-swinger into a packed six-yard box um, that equalizes the game and the tie. Antonio Powers at home. Boy, did he need a game like this. Oh, yes. He's had a tough season after such a good one last year. Um, Suchek hits the bar earlier in the second half after a lovely bit of skill from Baqueta. Then Bowen goes close, forcing a save at the near post just a minute later. The pressure is mounting, and then finally the go-ahead goal comes. A strange sequence. Yeah, balls just kind of played into the box, and yeah. Olmu's coming, running over to clear it, but he kind of he stumbles slips a little bit, a little bit, sticks his hand right in it, <laughs> right into the, just like trying to balance himself, kind of because he's falling down. Yeah, he's losing his feet and his it's hands just come him. out and yeah. go right into the ball. And then, but clear what's weird is game. that it comes off his arm. It isn't called straight away. And then Antonio crashes the ball off the post right from there. So it's like they could have just scored, but then eventually the penalty is given and Paqueta makes up for his error earlier by finishing. And then Ghent really falls apart. Yeah. Well, Uh, here I thought Ghent, like they pushed their back line forward. mm -hmm. They were really trying to come and like take the game, be like, okay, we need to go. They did so, so early. They did so really early. And they also just don't have the speed in the back line to keep up with guys like Bowen and Antonio. Doing that 55 minutes in is, is, is trouble because yeah. West Ham scored two goals after this, both relatively quickly and both are just going straight through like almost route one stuff. And again, are too far forward. They can't keep up with the speed of West Ham's attack through one-on-one goals. Yeah. The problem, the problem with that, that third West Ham goal is that they're they're they basically sent everyone's forward. So 58th mm-hmm. minute, 57th minute, yeah. everyone's forward, um, in possession, like they're circling the ball in for crosses or stuff. Yeah, like it's like the 85th minute, but and then Coombs just, which is the funniest name in the competition, just turns the ball over to Rice, captain on captain challenge right there, mm-hmm. and then there's only two behind the ball in the counter attack. Rice takes the ball basically from the just inside his own half like, into the Ghent box himself. He puts poor Okumu, who had a tough game, in the fucking blender. He sends him 360 uh, in a circle and then slides the ball into the side netting. It's a really nice goal from Rice. Um, so, in a striker's finish, it pretty much showcases all of his strength, too, which is, like, putting in tackles, carrying the ball, and improved finishing yeah. around the box. He did it all. It's great stuff from the captain. And then uh, Ghent are caught out again just minutes later making it, uh, you know, three goals in eight minutes. Um, and this time it's Antonio with a lovely finish. And, you know, it's to be fair, it's good clinical stuff from West Ham. And they turned it on when they needed to. But Ghent stretched themselves out so early in the second half when they're just down a goal. Yeah. And then two goals, like, when they just made sure that they were exposed as much as possible. And they gave themselves really no chance of, like, reorganizing and mounting a comeback. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think they just, like, they pushed. They they went a little too ape shit. Yeah. When when we've seen them be able to create chances against the West Ham defense in the last game too. And we saw it particularly coming down the left where it's Pietkowski who's just not 
you can't keep up with guys yeah. like Antonio and Paqueta. And, and if they just settled Akumu the ball, can't keep up with Bowen. Akumu had a tough. Do you have you do you see how he got turned by Declan Rice? Yeah, made him look like oh. something like it was sawn on him or something. Yeah. Or like Vinicius. It was this is embarrassing. Um, yeah, and uh, again, like a change was needed because they were getting outplayed. It didn't really look like they were going to find a second goal no. that day. But yeah, just made the wrong change. They did quickly. themselves dirty, man. Mm-hmm. They did themselves dirty. Yeah. And West Ham... West Ham had a bunch of chances after that still. Like, like it should have been, like, six goals yeah, it was... that they put in. Gant really, really lost the lost the plot there at the end. Yeah. But West Ham make their way to the semifinals, where they would meet the winner of Azed and Anderlecht. Anderlecht came in with a two-goal lead, and after 15 minutes, it was 2-2 on aggregate. It was yeah, so we, we were very, talking, very quick. Yeah, we were talking about on the preview pod on Wednesday. We speculated whether Alkmaar had... Would it, took at this advanced stage of the season um to really push for multiple goals in such mm. quick succession and the answer is yes yes like they, they could do that yeah i was but, surprised <laughs> i mean obviously when we were talking about this in the pregame i predicted a two nothing azed and i think you predicted them scoring multiple goals as well right i think so it was, i, think I, think I predicted two one yeah with, Alkmaar, we, with not quite doing enough yeah i think we thought that alkmaar had the two goals in them mm-hmm. but it's the way it happened being so quick yeah. off the bat the and surprise just... turned out to be that they only scored two in the first half because yeah. uh underlecht was up against it from the very start here um they left a lot of goals on the table today alkmaar yeah. and had to go all the way to penalties where oh. where they did eventually win but they 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 really shouldn't have had to take it that far yeah um, Bachmob has their actually at 3.6, which I yeah. think is a uh, very fair. <laughs> yeah, it felt like that. Yeah. Um, especially um there's aided by an early penalty call too. Mm-hmm. Um Pavlidis puts home just five minutes in. Um he's a little fortunate, it hits off inside of the post. Um which surely caused a brief moment of terror from the Greek international. He definitely meant to do it. Yeah, one hundred obviously. But yeah. it ricochets safely in the line, and then a second goal comes from a lovely through ball. Exposing a really high underlicked line, Jens Odegaard or Odegaard, Odegaard, I should say, who's through him behind. He squares to Paul Pavlidis for his second wide open tap in. That's just 13 minutes in. Looks very unlikely that Anderlecht is going to compete today. Um, just a minute later, another mistake in the back line. Pavlidis is in for his hat trick under 15 minutes, but a last disc tackle from behind saves the day for the Belgian side, and then. Anderlecht just looked like they had all sorts of trouble with that with the, the AZ mid to high press. Yeah. Um, they're making all sorts of errant passes, and then a high line from there was being bombarded after those midfield turnovers. But um, Anderlecht's defensive performance improves, especially in the second half. They did settle the game, and then um, if you're looking for highlights, they slow in the second half notably. Um, AZ kind of looking a little bit like they did in 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 Brussels. Not really finding like the, not really finding the the final pass or the final finish. Um, Kirkis hits the post on a sweet sweet volley in the eighty third minute, and then Verbruggen makes an enormous point blank save on Odgard in the eighty seventh, um, that earns Underlecht thirty extra minutes of time in Alkmaar. Um, Odgard thinks he's made up for his miss in extra time when he finishes impressively near post, but he's offside. Um, by the end of extra time. David mentions Fotmob calculates a 3.6 XG almost yeah. for AZ. It's ridiculous that they couldn't find that third goal. Um, another thing we actually talked about notably on our preview pod was if it went to penalties, who do we trust more in net? 
And we were like, oh, Verbruggen, because A, he's taller. He's taller. And B, was because honestly, he's honestly all I thought about. I, he's a I young, mean, promising keeper. And no offense to the experienced Matt Ryan, but we didn't think he had it in him. And we didn't nail that prediction because Matt Ryan saves twice out of their three penalties, including the first with a brilliant, strong top hand. He gets us right again on the third effort. Um, AZ dispatch all four of those, ending the shootouts 4-1. Um, at the end of the day, they the better team went through and deserved to. Um, yeah, and I, I was impressed with them today. I thought they really uh, they they really showed out after I'd say like probably three legs in a row in the competition where I was a little bit unimpressed with their with their attacking uh, ability. I thought they were like a little sluggish, especially in that underleg, that first that first tie in Belgium. Yeah. Was, oh, they're, it was a boring game. They're bad to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for them. I think them West Ham is an interesting tie. Absolutely, um, that's definitely. I mean, we've talked about it. West Ham had a relatively easy path to the quarterfinals. Ghent was a big step up, but Ozed should be an even bigger step up. Yeah, as we they're get getting into a the nice semifinals. ramp up. Yeah, they and really are. They really like the good news for them is their way they have the chance if they can create enough separation from the bottom three in England. If they have a good couple of weeks here before the semifinal leg. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be really beneficial to them because then they can actually put some effort into <laughs> into these games instead of putting out a second eleven to avoid relegation in the Premier League. Um, so that's that's something to watch in the next couple of weeks. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be crucial. Um, AZ will still be competing for fourth, but third is basically gone for them, and this is their best chance to get into the Europa League. And to win just like a trophy at all. <laughs> this doesn't come around very often for them. Um, so you know, they'll be throwing everything at it. Yeah. Um, as will Basil, who mm-hmm. even though they can still somehow get second in the Swiss League, are solidly mid table yeah. in that in that ten team league. Um and Fiorentina's just kind of lost the chance to go seventh, basically. Yeah. So yeah. they'll be full guns blazing too. So everyone's got something a lot to play for here. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. And everyone's focus seems like it's going to be on this competition, too. I mean, West Ham are probably one win away, which is not that guaranteed that they get from assuring safety. Maybe a win and a draw will do it for them this year. No, they're only four. They're still only four points clear. Yeah. Seven matches to go. They have eight to go, but and everybody below them has seven. But yeah, that's, that's not much, dude. It's not much, but I do give them a little bit of an edge there because I just don't They'll see They'll still it. probably want to be hitting 38, you know, even yeah. though it's unlikely that everybody below them will hit that target like yeah, yeah. But, they they'll want to keep up that point of game pace because you don't you, you don't want to risk that shit no i definitely agree with you on that but feels like they might be away from the relegation zone by the time they play the semifinal oh, hopefully if things go well but yeah. every time we say west sam's turning a corner yeah they, they go on back, a crazy yeah. run of terrible results domestically indeed they and do. look bad but indeed they do yeah. do you have any updated predictions for the europa league and the conference league any yeah new... so just to recap in the europa league we have juventus and sevilla do you know who's going first in the in these ties uh let me double check um I will check and then here. yeah sevilla juventus on the other side of the bracket we have roma and leverkusen and the europa conference league we have fiorentina drawing basil mm-hmm. and az alkmaar and West Ham. Um, the 11th, the first set of games is Juventus hosting Sevilla and Roma hosting Leverkusen. And then both games will leave Italy and go 
Dude, glad Roma a has a home tie first. Dude, honestly, same with uh, exhausting. Same with Juventus. Yeah, because Sevilla, as we have seen, way better at home than they are on the road. Yeah, and Juventus is unlikely to be up anything more than one. Yeah, at any given moment. I have no idea what's gonna happen in that time, man. I really don't. But just to be safe, I'm gonna stop picking against Sevilla. <laughs> I'm tired of picking against them, so let's pick Sevilla, and. I'm gonna pick Leverkusen because fuck no. And wow, May 11th is going to be a crazy day in Italy because in the Conference League, Fiorentina hosts on the 11th, and West Ham will be hosting as well. And on the 10th is the Inter Milan derby in the la la. That week is going to be crucial crazy for your Italy. coefficient. Yeah. Uh, West Ham, I think I'm gonna give the edge to Alkmaar, although I do not feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give a much more comfortable edge to Fiorentina, who uh, my guess is will put the tie to bed in the first leg again, yeah. and then probably not blow it this time. Yeah. I can't imagine I didn't let bias get in the way and not pick Fiorentina from the get-go in this competition. Uh-huh, you did. So I was pretty confident I had. Yeah. I couldn't remember, but... This is I really feel... broken nicely for them. Yeah, this is definitely... With, with Leck and Basel coming up here. After getting a little scare early, too, having to play Braga in the first... Mm-hmm. Uh, knockout round, like you thought. Oh man, maybe Fiorentina is just going to get bad draw. Yeah, they got back. a nice little path here. Yeah, gonna... yeah. And I see them going through. I see them winning the competition right now. Yeah, I'm still predicting a Fiorentina West Ham final. Yeah, I mean, it but looks. Like, I could see. Looks, looks like the best bet. Yeah, looks like the best bet right now. But yeah, I just don't. I'm. We'll see. We'll see. West Ham have the firepower that should beat Alkmaar, but if they. Put any more stinkers than Alkbar is good enough to punish them. Yeah. So uh, we should talk, I think, before we go, a little bit about the disaster that has now officially been the French campaign in Europe this year. And <laughs> you you just can't wait to talk. I couldn't about wait it. to talk about it. <laughs> uh, they had, you've been patiently waiting all podcast. They had one team get past the round of sixteen in any of the competitions. They had three teams eliminated in the Europa League knockout playoff round mm. marseille got group staged in mm. the champions league although maybe they probably shouldn't have been if they were thinking about what they were doing at all during the game <laughs> during their last game yeah if they realized they, they didn't have to lose they would have been in the europa league but yeah they fucking blew that so hard that was so funny yeah. <laughs> yeah all they had to do was not i mean obviously they wanted to win the game and move on mm-hmm. but, but once like, but once there should have been intel if you guys remember mm. when frankfurt went up 2-1 on sporting and they had the tiebreaker with Marseille. Marseille yeah. needed to recognize their not to actively lose the game, yeah. which they ended up doing because everybody was pushed up, yeah. um, which and it, which knocked them out of Europe altogether. Very funny moment. Go relive it if you want French drama. Yeah, and everyone's so bad. <laughs> PSG eliminated the round of sixteen of Bayern, who then got really the, handily, really handily. Like Bayern looked way better than PSG, and then Bayern went and got. Kind of, I don't want to say embarrassed, but thoroughly outplayed by Manchester. They City. got handled. Yeah, Man City looked like a way better. Man team City than Bayern. kept them at arm's length the whole time. Yeah. So we've talked like I don't know. We have probably had this conversation, but I say we is in like the royal we. People have talked about like league guns being carried by PSG. You know, Farmers League, Farmers League. This year, PSG weren't even able to do anything. Mm-mm. And the league, I think they are the eighth highest coefficient league this year they're behind That's tough, man the typical four they were behind belgium i think they were behind portugal and then the netherlands, was the ahead netherlands. Of them. yeah the netherlands were pretty clear the netherlands if azed go and win the conference league i think the netherlands could potentially pass france Woo! 
So the Dutch have already stolen an extra an extra Europe spot, right? Yeah, they stole it from the Portuguese. <laughs> so. Suck it, Portugal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, great competitions, great European showcases, particularly this year by the, the Dutch and the Belgians, but the Italians have been really the ones bringing it home this year. Five of the 12 semifinalists in Europe are Italian teams. Woohoo! After no. after six years in the wilderness, yeah, you finally return to competitive European football. Congratulations! Yeah. Not com- it's not competitive this year. They are way yeah. ahead of everyone right Congratulations, now. Congratulations, David. And you do have to say when you look. It's at been the such years, a long time. <laughs> well, the Champions League, it appears like City and Real are definitely the two favorites to win that, as they should be. As they should be in the Europa League and the Conference League, you really have to look at the Italian teams as some of the favorites in that. I yeah. feel like the Europa League, anything could happen. Yeah. None of those teams would surprise me. Conference League, I feel like Fiorentina is the clear favorite. The clear unless favorite West Ham decides to be better around. again. Yeah. yeah, West Ham has the talent for sure. Yeah, They've just been a mess in every competition. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, never really know. Anyway, uh, before we get out of here, let's give a let's give a cheers. And I want to give it to our eighth best manager in the yeah. Europa Conference League, Jose Luis Mendelebar. He thoroughly outclassed a manager that we both had in the top two yeah. as well. So, Which, you know, I don't know how much Ten Hag could have done today. With no. that. But, uh, yeah, let's cheers to uh, Jose Luis, Luis Mendelebar. All right. Bye.